Good morning and welcome to episode 42 of the Jaguar Report podcast. I'm here with my co-host, John Shipley. My name is Gus Logue. John, uh, explain to the watchers what's what's happening on your face here. Is that a battle scar? Were you trying to impress a girl? I mean, good, Gus, but uh, <laughs> uh, that, I'm, I'm well past the feeling the need to impress stage now oh yeah yeah big fan of the movie scarface now i it was it was an animal pet related uh it it's (laughs) that was completely my my fault so uh a pet uh, went ahead and scratched me yeah so you know it happens but until then um you know i was this close to wearing an eye patch so (laughs) you should have that would have been good well, no, no, you still look pretty badass, though. So, okay, so is this galaxy brain? But I'm right, I'm right-handed, right? Okay. I also think I'm right-eyed. Okay, no, I'm gonna <laughs> shut it down now. But let's hear an explanation. What do you have? I just, I feel like, like my right eye is my dominant eye. Does that like mess with your depth perception perception at all, though? I also have a take on being right eared, but we can save that for another day. <laughs> Are you right nostril too? <laughs> I'd make an argument. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Left one's a little stuffier most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when it's late May. All right. So just like the whole left side of your body is like meh. But like the you do have the scar on the right side of your face. I was gonna say yeah. the left side of my face doesn't have a Big cat scratcher on it. Mm, so there we go. But there's just less action going on the left side in general. Who who sings Cat Scratch Fever? You you look like somebody who would listen to that. Um, someone who has no idea what words just came out of your mouth. <laughs> cat Scratch <laughs> Fever? Never heard it? No, never no? heard it. No? Okay, good. Good. I'm proud of you. Okay, thanks. Right. Yep. Well, other than being maybe mildly attacked by an animal, how, how have you been doing elsewise, elsewise John? I've been been doing good, man. Uh, we, you know, uh, as you know, there's been nothing going on, so <laughs> we've been able to kind of, you know, just chill a little bit this off season. We got a few more, you know, OTA practices, mandatory mini camp coming up, and then you know, still some press conferences, etc. But we're almost to the complete dead period where there's nothing going on before training camp. So I'm just holding down until then, buddy. Yeah, especially with the NBA Finals about to end too. I mean, they start tomorrow, but once once they, they end, end it's going to be just like all sports are going to be dry because yeah, I don't know. I don't watch baseball. The Cubs suck, and they're my team. So I'd, there you go. Sports Not baseball podcast. Yeah, <laughs> sports are dry. On it. Sports are dry. Sports are dry. So yeah, well, one thing that is happening right now is OTAs for the Jaguars. They had day four yesterday, and it was the second day that media was able to watch. So. Spit out some takeaways. That always trips me up. Like it's OTA four, but it's also is it not really OTA two? You know, but <laughs> did it really <laughs> happen if a media member wasn't there to see it? <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way, yeah, it sounds complete buffoonery. So. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Now it's you know we're limited in like terms of scope of what we can report from OTAs. So like if anybody who's expecting like play by plays and stuff like from OTAs, it's just like can't do it not gonna happen and but from what i have seen you know some you know general takeaways like i still think the offensive line is uh you know big area to watch you know going into training camp just because i mean just yesterday uh you you saw their currently injured offensive linemen working to the side during team drills and it was cam robinson ben birch and josh wells i mean those are three of their top those are three guys like offensive linemen should be active during a game you know, yeah. so I mean, those are three pretty important guys. So the offensive line is still, you know, kind of 
in flux, and that to me was one thing, but it also kind of shows like, you know, what what, what the hell they're going to do if they didn't get Antoine Harrison? <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, Cam isn't going, Josh Wells isn't going. Who, I, like, I don't know who would have been, you know, at right tackle. So I, I really think the offensive line is like, that's not to say I am saying, thinking the offensive line will struggle or anything like that because I actually think Phil Rauscher did a really good job last year. Trevor Lawrence obviously helps an offensive line, but I thought that offensive line itself had some really good individual performances and performances as a whole held up in some big games. So I think it's a well-coached unit, and I, I don't necessarily think any you know off-season injuries will take away from it moving into next season. But I do think it's like an area to kind of watch that maybe people don't talk about enough. Yeah, 100%. I mean, especially after the draft, like cornerback and edge were kind of on all of our radars in terms of like what the Jaguars still need to add in terms of depth. But I think there's like a pretty solid argument that offensive line is a not so distant third behind those two positions. It, I, I will say one of the big things that's gone a long way for the Jaguars along the offensive line since last year has been yeah, they had a rookie center last year. They're going to have a rookie right tackle for whatever amount of games this year. Is Brandon Sheriff, like, being there to kind of, you know, just settle the storm a little bit, like, during the games, just in terms of, like, somebody knowing. Like, if you're going to start a rookie offensive lineman, you want somebody reliable next to them just in terms of their assignments. And if they didn't have him, it, it could it, – the last two years with, you know, the young guys they've been putting through the lineup could have been tough sled. Right, because, yeah, they had Fortner in the same kind of situation last year where yeah. – he was an NFL rookie and he got to play next to Sheriff. And apparently Fortner's got kind of all the assignments and communications down pretty well. But in terms of like actually what happens after the snap, I'm sure Sheriff was helpful. Hey, Fortner looks bigger too. I, like, I, yeah, like, I was wondering about that because he's like the guy that needed the weight room the most this offseason, I would say. Yeah, like there's a couple guys who notice like look bigger, like Trevor looks bigger, obviously Andre Cisco. Fortner to me, you know, definitely looks bigger. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, Chris Taylor made a good point a couple of weeks ago. He's like, it's like this is me rephrasing what he said, but in, in short, yeah, there are so many good defensive tackles right now and so many massive defensive tackles. Like, how many centers are going to be able to block these guys one-on-one? Like, defensive tackles play is really good in the NFL right now, you know? Mm-hmm, that's like, fair. Like, it's obviously an area he needs to improve in, but he's not alone in that struggle. Yeah, it's not like, like the guy who would replace him would replace him would be like – that much better than him so i get what you mean there in terms of like go ahead no you go ahead well i was gonna do a look ahead so do you have yeah. anything else all right so looking ahead to when cam robinson is going to return from his suspension which the specific number of games hasn't been released yet but it'll probably be six ish or like about half the season or a little less is that probably fair it it, it can be in any range from like two four six eight it, it, like until the nfl passes down a ruling like there's really like operating in a sense of okay like just put it on the back burner until it comes up like it's it's gonna be between two and eight so i i I don't know if there's any exact knowing whatever it's specifically going to be when the nfl does officially you know announce it do you have any idea when they will announce it (laughs) well (laughs) cam robinson will be missing multiple weeks and in his absence, you'd assume that Walker Little will start at left tackle, Anton Harrison at right tackle, Sheriff at right guard, Fortner at center, and then 
left guard comes down to how healthy Ben Barch is, but it's possible that Shatley starts week one at left guard. And then once Robinson comes back, like, do you think Barch is going to have the left guard job um, as soon as he's healthy? Like, do you think Cam Robinson is going to get back into the starting lineup as soon as he's available? How do you see it shake him out? Like, it'd be really tough, like, if Walker Little was playing well, in my opinion, to make him move from left tackle. But say Cam only misses a couple games and he comes back and you can put him and Walker at tackle spots. I mean, I feel like putting Anton, like, like if you want to play your best five, Anton on left guard would make some sense. Like, what, like, do you think so? I was kind of expecting you to say Walker Little at left guard, like have Anton play right tackle pretty much the whole season. And then like once Cam comes back, then maybe have your best five, as you said, and just push Little inside and have Cam at blind side. Yeah. But I don't know. Did Harrison play any guard in college? I, I think he just like played both tackle spots. Yeah. No, both, both tackle spots, but it feels like Peterson's like, gone out of his way to say like yeah we think he can play guard too so i you yeah, know even little there like if, if you want to play your best five like it's tough because on one hand why, why move little and harrison if they're playing well right but if you want to get your best players on the field you know robinson's one of your five best offensive linemen you know like like i i, I just think like it's tough to keep him off off the field you know, when he's actually available. I mean, he's someone who they've, they've obviously relied upon a lot in the past. Like, if they thought Walker Little was better than him, Walker Little would have been playing left tackle last year. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you think there's any chance that Cam moves inside to the guard or guard would be, like, either one of the natural guards? I don't I don't, I, I don't. think Cam would be, honestly. I think Cam, if he plays, it's left tackle. Yeah. Which, which I think makes sense. Like, he's – out of he's the most experienced left tackle on the roster. You know he has years and years of experience at left tackle. Like Walker Little, so as good as flashes as he's had, it's still you know fewer than ten starts at the position. Whereas Robinson has multiple seasons. Yeah, we could get like a month into the season, and it's like not even really a question of who's starting where based on just how the first couple of weeks go. But what's your official guess? Like week six starting lineup across the board for offensive line. I'll go Robinson left tackle. Walker, right tackle, Anton left guard, and that I, I know I said differently right after the draft. It's just the more I think about it, and the more I see their offensive line now, it's you know why not have your five best players on the field? You know, it, it, yeah, that might make some awkward fits at times, but if you want your five best, you know, out of the guys they have on the roster now, Robinson's one of them. Would you be like shocked by like let's say? Engram doesn't end up signing a multi-year extension, even though at this point it still is probably more likely than not. And then the Jaguars release Cam Robinson, which probably wouldn't make a lot of sense, but just stay with me. Like, would you be shocked by that if they like freed up some money to by releasing him? And like he just like has already started his last game for the Jaguars. Yeah, I I, I would be just because like what are they gonna do with that money right now? You know, like they have the money to sign guys right now. Well, yeah. Well, I guess we'll get to one of those players later, but I don't know. I always thought that, like, I mean, they did free up some more money a little bit more recently, but like, no, Engram deal was like the path to a free agent being signed. I mean, right now they have over 10 million in cap space available, and 
then if Ingram signs the deal, that's even more like to me that like, you don't have to release Robinson to make any move. And that's why, like, if this was like before free agency, that'd be different, you know, but yeah. we're, we're, we're like in the period now where like, they're going to be looking for a deal regardless. They're not going to try to sign somebody in my opinion, free agency for big money. I think they're going to try to find like a decent bargain. Yeah. And releasing Robinson would definitely like kind of tank the floor and the ceiling of the unit. Like, so, like it, if they didn't have Walker last year, they don't make the playoffs. You know, like like having offensive tackle death is not something most teams have. So if you have it, you know, why say screw it? Yeah. I guess I also didn't know if there was like bad blood because of the uh suspension or if it's if the blood isn't that bad. Things look normal yesterday. All right. Yeah. Um yesterday was also the first time you saw Jacksonville's new kicker, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the leg. <laughs> Big leg. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, Doug Peterson was really diplomatic in his answer while they made the move. He was like, you know, Riley made a big kick. We got a pick back for him. He gets to stay in the NFL. Brandon X experience. And then Heath Farwell, while, while complimenting Riley Patterson, of course, was like, yeah, it, Brandon basically like Riley had a shorter like range than him last year. And like, we don't have to worry about that with him. He gives us flexibility on kickoffs and in field goals. And to yep. me, you saw it in practice. Like he had a couple 50 plus yarders, uh 60 something yarder. Like he, to me, like you can just see the ball coming off his leg in practice that this is a guy like Farwell said, he had elite leg strength. And in my opinion, you can see it. And yeah, we're, are the efficiency numbers as good as you would hope the last you know year or so? No, they they weren't. But he's not somebody, in my opinion, who like his numbers weren't declining before last year. You know, he was still having a, like solid performances. And then last year, double digit fifty plus yard field goals, a couple sixty yard attempts, I think a couple block field goals, yeah. and also playing for a really bad like offensive team, which you know makes any kicker's job hard. And you compare it to Patterson's performance. Like I, I get why you know fans were surprised because I mean, when the last times you saw him, he was making one of the biggest kicks in franchise history. But to me, like it was clear during games that they didn't trust his leg strength. Like they they were only asking him to kick long field goals if like there was like no other alternative, pretty much, or if like the, like doing anything else was clearly the wrong call. And to me, a big reason they went for fourth down so many times in that territory was because of that. And if you want to just, you know, push up the glasses and, you know, look at it analytically, you know, maybe having the chance to steal three points in some of those situations can flip a couple games. Right. Especially like as uh special teams coach Heath Farwell said yesterday at like the end of games and the end of halves is like kind of the big time. Cause then, Oh yeah. Like it's kind of not even worth going for it if you don't have enough time to score a touchdown. So then having that leg is extra valuable then, but yeah, Heath also said that Brandon McManus, after he was released by the Broncos, I think it was sometime last week, reached out to him and said, hey, I want to come play in Jacksonville. So for the Jags, it was kind of a no-brainer to upgrade yeah. their kicker unit, especially for a guy that wants to be here. So yeah, he did, like, that's just a testament to the culture that Doug's built, yada, yada, like what it's like to be here. So 100%. And McManus said after practice that, the Jaguars had also, you know, like Balky had shown like Rosenhaus was his agent and that Balky and Rosenhaus had made contact and that there was mutual interest. And I guess uh, McManus knowing Joe DeCamillis, the former Broncos and Jaguars special teams coordinator, I guess DeCamillis is like Heath Farwell's mentor. I guess he is the one who was able to, 
you know, put them in touch. I, he also, interestingly, interestingly enough, said that they weren't the only ones he reached out to. So <laughs> right. he, he at least he had his options. Like, yeah, me, though, they were they were only going to release Patterson if a kicker like McManus came available. And like, I get why some people question it. Patterson was way younger. He was here last year. If you just look at their numbers last year without like broader context, Patterson obviously cleared him out of the water. But like, if you take if you just like peel it back a little bit, it makes sense in my opinion. Total sense. Like, not even just like with field goals, but the kickoffs is going to be huge, especially with this like new rule where, like in college, if you call for a fair catch inside the twenty-five yard line, you now get to advance it to the twenty-five. So, I am better leg on kickoffs got more valuable. I am thrilled to cover a team that has a kickoff returner because I don't, now we don't. Have, I, I don't have to care about that rule change. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like. Yeah, yeah, the Jaguars from their kicking perspective, strategy wise, we'll have to you know factor it in. But I mean, you're not going to ask Jamal Agnew to fair punt it. Yeah, I mean, fair punt, Jesus, fair catch it <laughs> many times regardless. You know, like I saw like the Cowboys returner. I saw somebody ask him. He was like, "It doesn't change anything for me. I've, I've never, I'm never going to fair catch it." Yeah, <laughs> like, they had that rule in college, and I never used it then either. So like, you know, for I feel like for a team with a guy like Agnew, it probably doesn't change as much as it does, you know, for other teams. Right. It definitely more so changes like what the Jaguars are going to do when they're the ones kicking. Cause I feel like Bill Belichick forever would try to pin teams like within the 10 or 20 yard line. And now that's what the Jags and plenty of other teams do. And so like McManus is like, he'll be used to like kick it out of the end zone in certain situations and another, like he'll be asked to kind of, almost squib it or try to like put it in a certain spot. So, I mean, they upgraded a pretty important position. So it, it, it was a good move in my opinion. It was yeah, sneaky, sneaky, good. Uh, you know, like one of bulky's like, in my opinion, we'll see how it plays out, but it could be one of his better moves. Like, just cause I think it's like a, a clear, like for a team that wants to be a playoff team and, you know, was a playoff team last year, but you're going to have to win some close games. I think just adding like an experienced kicker in big games and a guy with a bigger, like, bigger leg just makes sense right when you're zoomed out it looks like the jags like didn't really do a whole lot this offseason especially since their big move in anton harrison was just replacing someone who left in free agency but i mean when you consider like a small signing like this mcmanus ad and then the calvin ridley deal that happened uh last trade deadline and a bunch of small stuff it's gonna add up oh 100 and then just in my opinion one of the big things is just gonna be the natural progression of the guys who are in their second year there. Like Peterson said yesterday, like all the guys who are in their second year of the team, even like the old guys, like Foyer, Foley, et cetera, like they're still calling them second year players. <laughs> I'm like, like, if you think about it, like to an extent, like, yeah, they are second year players, like to them. And I think just being like, for once, the Jaguars not having like a change on their coaching staff and then their leadership will actually, you know, pay off. That's what I was going to say. Mike Caldwell is a second year guy too, just oh, yeah. like calling plays in general. It's his second NFL year, so. Yeah, all right. Well, let's see. Should we talk nuke? Is that the only other thing on our list? I think it's nuke time. I think it's time to talk DeAndre Hopkins. That is – man, people people have not even, like, like seemed like they wanted to even entertain it. No, I don't know if it's just because he used to wear a Texans jersey for a long time or – because he's kind of old, but his performance really hasn't dropped off that much. Like, he missed some time last year, but it was due to suspension. It seemed like in January when 
that report from like the station, the radio station out there said that he'd be interested in playing for the Jaguars. It seemed like people were more willing to hear it out then. And I'm like, Calvin Ridley was still on the team then. I, I, I guess Ridley's like been on the practice fields then since then. So maybe it's a little more real. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah, because like he hadn't even been reinstated at that point. Yeah. So it was still a little bit of a question mark. Fair enough. Fair enough. Or but... to my own petard. <laughs> So uh, Hopkins got released by the Cardinals last Friday, and he said like three different times in the past few months since January, like what kind of team or what team or what quarterback he wants to play with. Um, And I feel like he gives a kind of slightly different answer every time, but it's pretty obvious that he wants to play with a good quarterback and with a Super Bowl contender. So the when he was released, the DraftKings released odds for who he'll take the next regular season snap with and the Jags ranked tied for 13th and best odds. So yeah, like they're like kind of sort of in it, but I think you're muted. There you go. Good there call. That's, go. that's, that's why we <laughs> were about to launch into it. No, no, I, was, I was, I had to hold myself. <laughs> I had to hold myself back. You said several things that just made me, and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was complete. Action. I was like, I was just reading from a script, man. That was the yeah. first all right, well, launch into scripted? it. I've got just a little outline. That's all I'm Okay, in. okay. I see, you trying to, I see you trying to organize my creative process. <laughs> yeah. I'm just adding some structure so you can really let the creativity go. Okay. Let it flow. All right, machine. Well, yeah, I, I I agree with you that, like, I don't think Hopkins is, like, that much worse now than he was a couple of years ago, like, yeah, he's probably a little slower, but he's never been that fast. You know, yeah. like, he's always been like a contested catch guy, anyways. Right. He like still wins the same way. Yeah. And like, I think his game, like, has always been set to age really well. And I think he'd play really well with like, like guys like Allen and Mahomes just on broken plays and stuff. I think he'd still, you know, so to me, it has nothing to do with the quality of the player. It's just, okay. So, they're in an offense, you know, they're on the field next year. They're in the personnel with, they have Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, and Travis Etienne all in the field at the same time. That's already a lot of guys to get the ball to. Yeah. Like Uh, Trevor and Ridley as of now are probably going to be the only consistent performers and everyone else is going to be like good game here. Okay. Game there doesn't do a lot in this game. Yada, yada. Exactly. And then you add in like the other guys, Jamal Agnew, you know, the other tight ends who are gonna factor it in. Like there's already enough like not enough footballs like to go around in the Jaguars offense, like with the addition of Ridley. So I I think it's like the first time I've ever said like when a like good player has become available that the Jaguars shouldn't pursue him. But I, I, I don't think they need Hopkins. And that's that's weird because normally I'm like the stance of sign everyone you know <laughs> yeah trade, trade for everyone you know right. push all your chips in you know try to win a super bowl but i i just if you sign him like to me the one thing i will say is like i guess kansas city and buffalo you know are the two most rumored teams for him like if they're trying to sign him like you do like an nba type move and sign him so like haha you know like you can't have him yeah that would use good, him but you can't have him i mean especially considering like the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Bills and a bunch of AFC contenders are kind of like on his radar. The Jets too. Like, yeah, I'll get it for that perspective. But the NFC sucks. It does. I'm <laughs> a quarterback needs to go there. Like, 
some quarterback needs to go there. Caleb Williams, get like Justin Herbert over there, and now they're Young did. West. Who do you say? Bryce Young. Bryce Young, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no team traded for Hopkins when he had nineteen million dollars left on his salary. Yeah. So that kind of means that he's going to want at least twenty million. Uh, I think Odell just signed for fifteen, so that'd be like the absolute lowest. I feel like he would take. Yeah, there's like, like the Odell, the Odell, yeah. What the hell was that? The Odell deal, <laughs> kind of like I feel like ruined any chance of getting Hopkins for like a, a bargain. Right. So for that reason, I'm with you. Like he would just be a luxury ad, and I don't think the Eagles are, or I don't think the Jaguars are like the Eagles or like the Chiefs, where they have like a good enough roster that they can just say screw it, like let's go get this guy since he's it, available. Like it just they, doesn't. It's just about like resource allocation. Like you still need more depth on defense before you can like add more firepower to the offense. Yeah, like it doesn't feel like it's in it's in their DNA. It, it, <laughs> okay, no, that's a guy. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, could you see an argument? Like, what what argument would you make in favor of doing it? Um, fun fireworks. <laughs> Flags against the defense. Let's see fair. if there's any other efforts. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. I, I mean, mean, yeah, but like it being fun to watch would be like the biggest yeah. thing. Like if fans could vote on like what the team would do, then like fans should vote for them to the Jaguars to sign Hopkins just because it would be a lot of fun to watch this season. And like, I don't know. If you're not going to win the Super Bowl, which like they have a chance to, but pro- probably won't. Might as well score a lot of points and have fun during the regular season. That would be like the argument to sign him, I feel like. Are you worried about Hopkins if he signs with the Chiefs or the Bills? Yeah. Or the Ravens. Yeah. Like he's not like a alpha alpha anymore, but at the same time, like he like changes numbers for every opposing off defense that play faces those like already elite quarterbacks. So like him going to any AFC contender would make me like more nervous about them. Cause I think he's still like maybe not a pro bowl receiver, but close to it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like I, I think he still has another, like, like two, maybe three, like good seasons left in him. Honestly, mm-hmm. like, I, I, Albert Breer has a really good article on him, you know, executives talking about him that I, you know, highly recommend, you know, everybody reading. And, you know, you also have to factor in that, you know, every receiver has ever been a good receiver is a little twisted, you know, so <laughs> you also have to factor in the fact that he, he's kind of a different guy. You know, he's, he's somebody who traditionally hasn't been great for on uh, losing teams. And, you know, obviously that's not the expectation in Jacksonville, but it doesn't like seem like, there's ever really been a big market for him. And I don't think it's going to be a case where like 30 teams are like bidding for his services or anything like that. I, I personally don't expect the Jaguars to like seriously pursue him. Right. Yeah. I guess he's probably just like one of those names that's circled, but they won't actually do anything about it until like the price changes significantly. Then maybe they'll pick up the phone. Would you do it for 5 million and pl- no. Yes. Okay. 8 million plus incentives. <laughs> Um, I think anything under the 10 million that the Jaguars like currently have in cap space would be worth it in that like they wouldn't have to like restructure even more uh contracts and like move even more money around 
So if they could like do it without having to do any other like deals because because of it, I do think that one of the reasons they won't do it is because like Zay Jones like can't really be cut or traded easily. Like if they could trade him or cut him and have like saved nine million dollars and only have like one million against the cap, then like sure maybe like it's not like you replacing Zay with Nuke and then there's a little bit more like yeah. of an answer for like the mouths to feed problem, but. That's not really the case because like Zay's contract got restructured, so he's got a bunch of void years, and like you'll save like eight million in twenty twenty three, but only two million next year if you cut him after tomorrow, June first. And it's not like he had a performance last year where you need to replace him either. No, like if anything, he's another year two guy, and like probably another guy who at least through pictures I saw on Twitter, like I thought he looked bigger too. So like oh, yeah. there's in like. Yeah, it would be kind of weird to release or cut him or trade him since he, he had some pretty big moments for the team last year. He's like the offense's version of Rayshon Jenkins. He he had a, a good day yesterday too. The the Jaguars, you know, tweeted one of the plays that we can't talk about <laughs> yesterday. You know that that deep completion he had from Lawrence. You know he he he's somebody who it, like it just seems like he fits well in the scheme. He fits well with Lawrence, like you already have a good thing going. Why change it? You know? Right. Yeah. So I agree. Well, it, it would be a lot of fun, but it I would like be. It. It's something you do in Madden. I'm not sure you do it in reality, but with yeah. that said, give us a quick second for our sponsors and we'll be right back. All right, Gus, what do you got for me, buddy? <laughs> that was everything on my outline. Honestly, I didn't, um, my hot take was going to be like that Cam Robinson won't play a game for the Jaguars again until you kind of like le- lean me away from that cliff. That's right. So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have a do you have a hot prepared hot take? Hmm. I, <laughs> I I do. That sounds like a no. I do. No, I do. I do. I do. Okay. It's just is it is it worth? You know, like it's in the pressure cooker right now. Is okay. Mm-hmm. Luke Farrell finishes with more with the second most catches among their tight ends. Okay. Yeah, that's it's right. Just, okay, that's right. Do you want to explain it a little more? I just, I think young tight ends like take a while to, you know, kind of develop in the NFL, and like I, I, I think Strange is going to be really valuable from a blocking perspective. It's just I'm like. Out of guys who, you know, have looked in, impressive and guys who it seems like kind of been, you know, stepping up with some other guys not there. It's been feral time, baby. And, uh, it fun. just it, I it just feels like, you know, after years of them being like, okay, we like him. You know, he's getting better. Like, if, if it's between him and, like, a rookie in Strange, I think Farrell's probably going to look better at times because, t- to me, so far, he's looked better in practices. Would which you say- He's gonna like who's gonna lead the team in or be second among Titans and snaps behind Engram. That's a that's a good question. I think it'll be close. I really think it'll be close. What is Farrell a third year guy now? Yeah. All right, that's a good take. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good that, one. It, it's I know it's a curveball for a hot take to involve, you know. Luke Farrell, but yeah. like he, 
I don't know. Yeah, it's, I'm, gonna, it's, I'm gonna write that down because we gotta start writing down. Our no, day. no, do it, do it. Write it down right now. Luke Farrell has the second most catches among the tight ends. I I tested the waters with that one yesterday and was pushed back on it, but I'll. Uh, no, I think yeah. that's a good one. I like that. I like yeah, that so you, you you don't even got one off the cuff for me. You you you, you don't even got one that you think you can. Uh, no, you don't got nothing boiling for me. I got I got another one for you. You ready? <laughs> you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Jermichael Hasty finishes with more carries than Tank Bixby. Oh. Maybe Dang. not more touchdowns, you know, maybe not more important carries, but more carries. More overall carries. Yeah. You think he's going to be second in snaps on the team behind ETN next year? Yeah. I do. Okay. Let me write. What what was the. Yeah. Write that one down too. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. You you don't believe that one as much, do you? No, I do. uh, It's just that I don't want to believe it. That's the thing. But But I get it. You made me feel like I could be like a lawyer or something. Like, am I, am I am I that convincing? No, I'm just. I think they're good takes. I, I mean, I like that the strange thing was like partly because of like recent stuff and not just like blurting out a take. But yeah, like, like just like the more you watch them, it's like, shouldn't we expect the third year tight end to look better? You know, like how much are they really going to throw in the rookie tight end's plate when like they're trying to win games? You know, like if this was like the twenty twenty Jaguars or twenty twenty one Jaguars, maybe. You know, hey kid, go out there and play. But <laughs> you, like, does that make like, sense? Did Josh Oliver ever play? Not really. It was never. I healthy. guess he was hurt a lot, but yeah, he was never healthy. That's one of the NFL's best blocking tight ends, baby. <laughs> he is. <laughs> I know, but like, how random is that? Because <laughs> like, no I would I, like if you had told me he would like would have broken down in the NFL a few years ago when he was drafted, I'll be like, oh, he's probably like some sick like receiving threat. But nah, he's a b- badass blocker instead. I'll never forget Doug Marone. Like, it was during the COVID training camp, coming on a Zoom. It was, like, 8.30 in the morning. I'm sitting in the parking lot, the Jaguars practice field, in my truck, listening to Doug talk before practice. And he's just out. Starts with, so, Josh Oliver broke his foot running. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> how do you do that, man? But it's, it's, it's cool to see that he's kind of turned that around. It is cool to see. You got a pretty nice steal from the Vikings. Hey, did – Dave Caldwell kind of killed that third round. Low key, yeah. Diamond Josh D. Oliver and Quincy I, Williams are two pretty good third round picks. And they were use Will about his day one drafting, but he could find some gems in the later rounds. Like they weren't good picks for the Jaguars, but like <laughs> as a as like just in terms of scouting, like right, maybe, right, good players, right. Um, okay, s- s- hasty second in carries. Is that what you said? That's right. Okay, second in touches too. Second in touches too. Throw that yeah. in there. And yeah. touches and snaps. Sure. Maybe not touchdowns, but no, I'll, I'll say not touchdowns. I'll say Tank has more touchdowns. Tank Bigsby, Jaguars twenty twenty three goal line back. Yeah, basically. So basically. come on, I, I, I'm giving you a two for one special here, and you're not even going to give me the one. I feel like you your two counts for my one. I don't want to. I'm trying to have a hot take. Here, just like, I don't. I don't want to. Like, I don't want to get. Yeah, I don't want to give out a hot take just for the sake of it. Like I want to have something good. Yeah. Um, Maybe do you want to start doing ranking? Do you want to do that uh segment soon? Oh yeah. All right. 
maybe next week we'll do we'll think of something to rank and this will be a new segment where it's just ranker where we rank whatever's relevant so we'll next take week, submissions yeah that too so we'll we'll find something to rank and then like that way hot takes will kind of emerge from that still and yeah i mean rank. it's otas and it's not, and like i haven't been there personally so you're not I, like much. i got nothing you're not missing much it it's it's otas you're you like i i sincerely say this like the fans too like you're not missing much like yeah it's cool to see trevor lawrence like throw passes and stuff but they're in helmets and shorts they're not going full speed like yeah like it, it, it's just it's not like anything close to what training camp will mean you know what i mean okay i i, I gotta take okay mcmanus will be a top uh I'll say three fantasy football kicker in 2023. And I say fantasy just because like, I feel like that would be the best way to like, I like that judge like the distance and like miss kicks and stuff. Put it on the board. Yeah. I think he's going to have like a decent amount of long ones and like the Jags are going to score a lot of points bar injuries. So like, I think he's going to be good and like kind of prove himself in year one that it was a good signing. Put it. Okay. Yeah. Good call. I was saying right there, I forgot about it. All right, Nick Manis, top three fantasy. You're not just gonna throw this away, are you? Not my phone, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little Google Docs, so maybe I'll throw it into the internet trash bin. But for no. some reason I thought you were writing it on a piece of paper. No, no, no. I haven't done that yeah. since grade school, John. Okay. Grade school. Look at <laughs> who calls it grade school. I've never called it grade school in my entire life. I was just trying to say like I wrote everything on a computer since high school, I feel like. Yeah. Great so, school. Great school. Great. No, school. I, I like that. Okay. I, let me ask you this before we, you know, call it a call it a day. Okay. Is it actually a good thing for Doug Peterson to be more conservative on fourth down past the fifty? Like I mean did Riley no. Patterson not having a big leg actually make him a better coach? But here's the thing is, like, I mentioned the, like, end of halves for a reason earlier is, like, I think that's where you're going to see it the most. Like, I think if you look at, like, when they go for on fourth down within two minutes versus outside of two minutes left in either half, like, there will be a big difference within two minutes because, like, McMahon is going to get trod out there for a 60-yarder and they can say, let's see if he's got it versus, like, doing a Hail Mary. But then it- outside of two minutes, like, I think – like I don't think it'll change that much. Like I feel like it'll like it'll change like two to three decisions. They did and, like they so. did stink at the end of halves. Yeah, mm, yeah. In terms of getting those gimme points, so I I think like the Jack special teams could be a pretty good overall unit because yeah. I think they ranked like Logan Cook is also pretty good. They've got good gunners. Jamal Agnew is great. Like the whole unit is kind of coming together in terms of like their starters, and then I feel like they've had like pretty good just special teams, um, like other like linebackers and tight ends and other players like giving spe- good special teams value. Yeah, I mean, starting. they improved. They improved by DVOA. Rick Gosselin, who you know does a special teams like ranking every single year it's like known as like basically the bible for like special teams rankings like like mm-hmm. special teams coaches like even like adhere to it like have them improve like pretty substantially last year i like i really think it's like like obviously nobody wants to be like oh the special teams unit is like sneaky good but it is and 
you know, we've talked about it before Chris Claybrooks and Daniel Thomas are really good gunners, you know, like, yeah. they, and I feel like most of the rookies they took this year outside of a couple of guys are going to be special teams guys. Like you see I feel like could be really good on special teams. Antonio Johnson, I feel like can be really good on special teams. Uh, Hallett Braswell, like they all have chances to like, these are all guys who it feels like they play really fast and you know, they, they emphasize special teams a lot in their decision making. So I feel like you see it, you've seen it translate you know, to the field. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like their special teams and their offense is almost going to be their defense this year in terms of just like it's they're going to help so much in terms of like special teams with field position is pretty huge and like momentum, as uh, Heath said yesterday. And then the offense, just in terms of like game script and like letting the defense play like with a lead. Like it's gonna it's gonna have its kind of like trickle down effects. Can can I give you another hot take? <laughs> Please do. I mean we missed last week, didn't we? I think this is yeah. our first pod in two weeks. So yeah, give me another one. Trayvon Walker will play twice as many snaps with his hand in the dirt as he does standing up, and he will record seven and a half sacks. Ooh, okay. Ride down. Seven and a half plus or just exactly seven and a half? Seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. If if he gave you seven and a half sacks and he's a plus run defender, would you take that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I would take seven and a half sacks if he was on the edge, frankly. Yeah. I mean it might not be like great, but I mean I still think so he could be a, I still I think like even Hannon and Dirt, I still think can be on the edge. It's just I've I, I feel like in th- this isn't based on anything we've seen. It's just I feel like when you see him in year two that they're going to accept more of like the kind of player that he is. And it, it just seems like his skill set when you see him physically, like he just looks like a prototype defensive end. So I, I, I just think he's going to be, I ultimately think that he's going to have the season people you know, want to maybe not want to see, I, I should say, because I, f- I feel like some people would actually be upset with seven and a half sacks. He yeah, was the number one overall pick. Yeah. Aiden Hudson had what, like 11 and a half fake sacks last year? Something like some, <laughs> and like some three picks. Yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> he did. He he had a stupidly productive season. And yes. It, 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 I, That's fair. Not, it, it, he did. He did. Won't, won't deny that for a second. It's just, I think that ultimately you see Trayvon Walker pick up a. So actually, go ahead and take the alignment thing out of it. I just, my hot take is Trayvon Walker, seven and a half sacks. Okay. Yeah. If like going with that take, who would be second on the team in edge snaps behind Josh Allen in that like circumstance? Where I know you just said take away the situation thing, but if Trayvon does like kick in inside way more in twenty twenty three, I think I think it's still Josh Allen and Trayvon. But I, honestly, I think Chase is going to play. Like uh, unless they sign somebody, Chase on in my opinion is going to play a lot. I'm a little excited to see Chase on play. I think he's like not going to have a breakout or anything, but I, I, I think I don't know. He he's shown like real flashes of like not just like uh, sacking a quarterback on a seven, seven second play, but like inconsistent stuff, but decent stuff at times on in run defense too. That that was the thing with him as a rookie is like he'd have flashes of like really encouraging stuff. It's just like stringing it together and like you said, he he plays really hard. He's somebody who you know they they all like 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 mm-hmm. efforts never been the question or anything like that. But I really think like 
unless they add somebody, I think he's going to play a lot. And then I think, you know, you also have Abdullah and Jordan Smith who you can throw out there. I, I think Jordan Smith is going to get a chance in training camp to compete for legitimate playing time. Like he, he's practicing like with a brace right now. So probably you're not getting the full picture of like him hundred percent right now. But I think once he is, you know, at that level, I think he'll have a chance. Just because, I mean, he has some traits that, like, some of the other guys re- really don't have. Like, just his overall, his length, his size, you know, his when he when he was healthy, his short area quickness. Because, I mean, when he was healthy, you know, he had moments during his first training camp where he, he looked impressive. Like, and they even said when they drafted him that he was going to be a guy that took a couple years. And, you know, he here, here he is. So, here like, we are. Yeah, yeah. This, this is his chance. So, I think – you know, maybe they do add somebody, but if they don't, those are the two guys who I think, you know, could play a lot. Yeah. I mean, availability is the best ability for both Smith and Chase on because they've both been kind of definitely more so Jordan Smith, but they've both kind of dealt with yeah, Chase was banged up some, Yeah. Chase on was banged up some last year. Good point. Yeah. If I know you said the last time we did a pod that I think your hot take might have been that they just won't sign anyone this offseason, but like, if, man had, if if you thought they got one guy at one position, like what would your position guess be? God, you really put me on the spot. You could say wide um, receiver for Nuke. Mm, mm. Mm. <laughs> I'll still go pass rusher, I guess. Yeah. I I guess. I I just I don't know, like you don't need to do it right now because nobody's running the sign people right now. You know, like you're not competing with anybody. So you can wait longer and try to get a better deal. Also, if, if I was a veteran, I probably wouldn't even want to sign with the team right now. Like, I don't, I don't want to do offseason work. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's what so, I was going to say. I was trying to think of like when that point is when like I veterans mean, become interested in signing again, when they're like, okay, now I'll show up to work. Like some guys aren't even doing like training. Like Chris Harris straight up said, he's like, I won't sign with a team until after training camp. He's like, I have no interest in doing training camp anymore. There you go. I get it. Chris Harris would be good. That would be a good signing, actually. I would like that. I still feel like Justin Houston would be a cool, a cool ad. Definitely. Either of those two. Just someone old and cheap, but still good. (laughs) Nuke is old, but expensive and still good. So he's off the list. Old and cheap and still good. The Gus Logmata. That's <laughs> how this pod goes, baby. Yeah, that's how it goes. All right. Any you got a fourth take, a fifth take? Or do you want to get out of here? I think I'm tapped out on hot takes. It's it's May thirty first, for God's sake. All right. Well next week we'll we'll come up with a segment or a, a ranking segment and do something with that. So until yeah, then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you made it sound like it was a rant. Yeah, it sound yeah. Weird. No, it's like you said. It's it's the summertime in terms of sports. There is absolutely nothing other than. Uh, okay, actually, give me this before we go. Before we go, okay. give me your. How many games are the Heat losing in the final? Like basically. <laughs> That's a weird way of asking me to yeah. say Nuggets and I, six. I think the Heat will win a game. Yeah. Nuggets and five. Yeah, they'll like win. Yeah, they'll only win our two games. I hope they like. I told someone at the beginning of the playoffs that my favorite team is Game Seven, and that didn't really work out for me two nights ago because like the uh, Celtics Heat game was like 
a pretty meh game seven because the Celtics were up just like up 10 or 15 the whole time or the heat where I mean. So like I, I always root for more basketball because I don't really have a favorite team. So hopefully the heat win more, but I'm also kind of pulling for the nuggets. I first, I only phrased it like that because for some reason I thought you were a heat fan. I'll be honest. I was one LeBron was on the team. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big LeBron guy. Same here. I'm, I'm a LeBron fan. Yeah, so I'm with you. This is that type of podcast. Well, we'll we'll, we'll revisit how wrong we are next week. But uh, until then, you know there'll be another OTA practice or two in there. But yeah, it really, in my opinion, until mandatory minicamp, we're kind of wait and see mode in terms of the Jaguars news. Wait and see. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, have a good weekend, John. I'll see you next week. Gus, you too, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right.